0: You're listening to A Stranger Cast at thestranger.com.
1: Hey, it's Wednesday, October 9th, and I'm Eli Sanders, and this is Blabbermouth, The Stranger Podcast, in which we talk about what's going on this week. Rich Smith is here, Chase Burns is here, and we are going to talk about the ongoing impeachment inquiry, Trump's obstruction, and more, plus a new report from the Senate Intelligence Committee about Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election and continued Russian interference as we approach 2020. After that, Jasmine Kaiming is here to talk with Rich and I about a major case at the U.S. Supreme Court regarding gay and trans rights in the workplace and Ellen DeGeneres. She found herself at a football game with former U.S. President George W. Bush. She made a video of it, and people got pissed. What should you do if you find yourself at a football game with George W. Bush? We'll talk about that. And finally, Chase and Jasmine tell us all about RuPaul's world domination. She's got Drag Race UK starting. Well, it's already started, and you can watch it jasmine and chase have been and they'll tell you about drag in the uk but first trump and impeachment good morning rich good morning eli dan is out sick today unfortunately send him some uh healing feelings but chase is here
0: hello I did none of the reading, but I'm feeling feisty and I'm ready to uh, give my opinion. That's exactly how Dan arrives every week. (laughs) No problem. Let's talk
1: first quickly about what's going on with Bernie Sanders. He had a heart attack, has had some heart issues, got in front of cameras recently and said that he is going to be scaling back his campaign. He's also got a family tragedy that he's in the midst of his Daughter in law just suddenly passed away from recently diagnosed cancer. So, something's changing in the Bernie campaign. Rich, I thought of you when Bernie was talking about how much energy it takes to do his five rallies a day because you've done his voice for, you know, a minute or two. And that takes a certain amount of energy. Would you recommend that someone who recently had a heart attack uh, go forward with that? voice at that at the pace that he's been
2: running listen i'm not a doctor eli but um i can say that i will no longer be doing four and five rallies a day and that as you can tell my voice there's a little bit you know some, there's some weakness there i need some time to recover in my vermont home i mean yeah i don't know i <laughs> i think that you know he said that he has been doing several rallies every single day and he has been, uh, adamant that, uh, he's not going to be doing as many rallies, but he's not dropping out, but he's not dropping out when people ask him, you know, donors have been asking him, but by donors, we should say that, you know, he, the number of small donors who have <laughs> contributed to his campaign, um, have been asking him what's going on. And he says that he's not going to gonna drop out he's been adamant about that as you know i mean and i can relate to that uh w- whenever i'm uh sick i like to pretend that I'm, I'm not sick and that i i can do it uh <laughs> for uh years uh, after <laughs> well,
0: and it's also difficult to talk about this because like how many heart attacks did fucking um who's the devil that was vice president dick cheney how many heart attacks did dick cheney have he had like five or something and had to i think this might have been a late night joke but i think
1: it might have also been true. He had to have his pacemaker plugged into the wall for a few
3: hours
0: <laughs> every <laughs> night. Like that, that Maverick really uh, didn't have a heart and was able to still continue running uh, the country in a lot of ways. So, and you don't want to be ageist, obviously, but it does. Uh, it does make you disheartened to know that he just had a heart attack during a time when his campaign really has to ramp up. And he says that he's changing the nature of his campaign. He's scaling back events and scaling back uh, speeches. And it does sort of sound like he's just getting things in order because he has obviously so much money. He has so many donors. And you have to, there's a lot of planning that has to go into winding that down, winding that down. All right, we'll see if
1: he's actually winding down or if he's just gonna yell from a hospital bed in his house. Not changing anything, not changing the nature of his campaign. President Donald Trump, who is now in full on campaign mode against the Democrats who are going forward with their impeachment inquiry. He's ordered people not to cooperate. He's not going to cooperate. He's got a lawyer sending crazy letters. Stonewall after Stonewall is being built. And on we go. There's a guy named, well, last named Sondland, who you were reading about, Rich, who was supposed to testify before one of the House investigative committees this week and then didn't because Trump told him not to.
2: Yeah, he was a, he's a Seattle hotelier, uh, so he's kind of a local guy for us here in Blabbermouth. And uh, he, at first, uh, I think, did, Denied Trump, but then uh, gave his inauguration two million dollars, and then Trump rewarded him by giving him a very high level uh, diplomatic job as the uh, liaison for the EU
1: between, <laughs> and then Trump sort of shuffled him over to the middleman on his Ukraine corruption, and so he seems to which have been is this- not
2: in the EU. Uh, Ukraine is not in the EU, which is why right. it's funny that he shuffled him over to this job that he wasn't qualified for and that he bought with his hotel money. But I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and yeah. then even more alarming seems to be the role he played, which was uh, part of a little chain linking Trump to Giuliani and Giuliani to leaning on the Ukrainians to manufacture dirt on Joe Biden that Trump could use in his 2020 re-election campaign. So this guy yeah, th- is like right in the middle of all of this. And Adam Schiff says, uh, has text messages that need to be seen that haven't been seen yet that maybe show something incriminating.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, some Trump lackey, I can't remember what his name was, was on CNN yesterday saying that he thinks that Trump is, you know, overreaching here or overreacting and that he should let sondland uh testify because he doesn't think what sondland has is that bad but we don't know <laughs> until we know we do know that we have inter the house has interviewed one person volker the uh former uh ukraine uh diplomat and that interview um In the inquiry from the House uh, yielded a string of text messages involving Gondlin that give pretty strong evidence that uh, the president uh, was directly asking Ukraine for money in exchange for for investigating Joe Biden in exchange for uh, defense funds. Uh, It's a conversation between Sondland and, and Bill Taylor. Uh, Sondland asks uh, Taylor, uh, a Ukraine diplomat, to call him uh, as they're talking about whether or not uh, Trump is um, holding the funding over Ukraine's head in order to have a meeting. Where Taylor said, "I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance to help with a political campaign." So that is a longtime Ukrainian uh, offic- uh, a diplomat, um, you know, who served in the army, respectable guy, you know, b- longtime bureaucrat basically telling the American people, leaving this trail, saying, uh... (laughs) This is is actually an American diplomat talking to another American diplomat,
1: calling out the quid pro quo that that Trump says there isn't. So, okay, we have the evidence that we have, we have the people who are being withheld from Congress, and I think we have a calculation on the part of the Trump administration that, okay, if they get us for obstruction that's better than if they get us for collusion with the Ukrainian government to help the Trump 2020 campaign, which is what the Democrats will probably find evidence of if they are not obstructed.
2: Yeah, that's what Maggie Haberman was saying in the Times. Basically, the way she lays this, the context out was, before when it looked like the administrator was hiding something, hiding like the whistleblower memo, they released it because it was worse to have the secret than to have it out. Now that Trump has... On television called for Ukraine to investigate the Bidens and called for China at this point to investigate the Bidens. The way the administration sees it is, OK, they're going to get me for, um, you know, this uh, exchange of information or me you know misusing the national security apparatus to uh, meet my own political ends. And they're going to get me for obstruction. Might as well make it two if you're going to get me for everything. Meanwhile, it's a done deal in the Senate. Supposedly, so far, Republican senators have been viciously defending Trump on the, um, uh, on the Sunday shows. And so he seems pretty confident that he's not going to be convicted and he's going to rely on this hyper partisan atmosphere to uh, basically bully his way through.
1: Not only that, but. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, chair of the Judiciary Committee, the person who's going to be in charge of any hearings if we have a Supreme Court vacancy, and long time—actually, not long time—recent convert to Trumpism, enemy of Trump before it that. Feels
0: like a very long time. It does feel every like single a long day time. feels like a year? So
1: that's true. Yeah, uh, Trump supporter for the equivalent of what seems like forty years, but has only been two and a half years or something like that. Lindsey Graham is going to hold a hearing, he says in the Senate, to counter the Democrats impeachment hearings. And he's going to call in Rudy Giuliani to tell his side of the story.
0: Who's yelled that he he just wants to be held in contempt. Yesterday, he was yelling like, hold me in contempt. They'll, I'll take me to court. People <laughs> like the blustering. And Trump this morning was just yelling about a uh, crooked Hillary. Yeah.
1: They are just leaning into that. I guess it's worked for them for so many years. So why not? Like They kick up a fuss. They scream about it being unfair when it's not. And a certain number of people eat that up and believe it. And that's their base. That's their 40%. So that's the play they're going to do over and over and over
2: again yeah as, this is how trump has acted in every single one of his lawsuits especially even you know, including all of the lawsuits accusing him of sexual assault you know uh you uh, sue the president you say he broke the law and then he countersues you attacks 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 defames 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 delays 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 and by the time
1: you break through all the delay Trump himself has probably created another scandal that you're paying more attention to than the previous one. Or, in this case, he's run out the clock on his first term of his presidency. So, Democrats maybe will just go ahead and impeach him on obstruction. That sounds like what they're saying they're going to do. If they can't find the evidence, they'll go to court to try to get around the obstruction. And in the meantime, impeach him for obstruction and... We'll see well, it, what happens with that.
2: And I mean, Republicans will say they try to get him on obstruction when the Mueller uh, report came out. And their argument was it's not obstruction. Or Bill Barr's argument was it's not obstruction because he, there was no collusion underlying this obstruction claim. So technically, it's not illegal. This time, <laughs> he's Trump is asked Ukraine to investigate Biden on television. We've got the text from Bill Taylor and sondland and he is obstructing. So uh, this obstruction case is being done in the full light of the uh, the media and public view. We'll see if that matters.
1: And just to briefly rewind to the Russia investigation that you just mentioned There's a new report from the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is like slowly putting out a multi-volume, bipartisan explanation of what the fuck happened in 2016. And so volume two is now out. And this is bipartisan. The Republican chair of the committee and the Democratic ranking member both support this, both agree with this report. And it says Russia interfered in the 2016 election to hurt Hillary Clinton and help Trump. And it was sweeping. And there needs to be sweeping action to prevent the ongoing interference in American election processes. That's happening right now. The Russians, they say, have been waging information warfare against the U.S. for a long time and are still doing it, and the White House has no comment. That's it. Like you can put out all the reports you want, but the President of the United States is not going to do anything because it
2: questions oh. his legitimacy.
1: <laughs> and I think, and Dan's theory always is, he believes that if it's true, it helps him. So why why protect the country uh, if it's going to help his reelection? Oh. Next, we'll talk about something potentially bad that has not happened yet. It's going down at the U.S. Supreme Court.
2: Nice jeans, Rich. Thanks, Eli. They're from Everlane, one of my favorite uh, textile companies.
1: <laughs> they are not crappy quality either, nope. which is all you get from a lot of other places. Crappy quality at Prices that are way too high. And at Everlane, as you know, that does not happen. You upgrade your go-tos, your jeans, your t-shirts, your whole style with Everlane classics that, if you don't have them already, are going to be your new favorites. Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. They want you to know what you're paying for and why, so they tell you their real costs and are radically transparent about every step in their process from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. No matter your style or preference, Everlane's clothes look better, cost less and last longer because Everlane sells directly to you. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Essentials like Rich's jeans or like Everlane's cotton crew t-shirts are exactly what they should be versatile, simple, stylish and made from quality materials. Right now, you can check out our personalized collection, Dress Like Rich, Dress Like Me, if you dare, at everlane.com slash blabbermouth. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash blabbermouth. everlane.com slash blabbermouth. Jasmine Kymig, hello. Good morning, Eli. Thanks for stepping in to help us talk about a case that's going on at the U.S. Supreme Court that people need to be paying attention to, and a controversy involving Ellen DeGeneres that a lot of people have already... Should not be paying attention to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's take the thing that they should be paying attention to for sure. First, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, pretty important piece of legislation... Does many things, including protecting people from discrimination in the workplace on the base of race, religion, other characteristics, and sex. So, for a long time, this was taken to mean uh, protection against sexism, essentially. But it has evolved over time uh, through court action and administrative action to be understood to actually also protect people from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. And under the Obama administration, that was expanded to also to gender identity. Along comes a couple of cases, two
2: or three, that are now three, two two are wrapped up into one. And then there's one separate one. Amy Stevens is uh, uh, came out as transgender to a funeral home. And then she was Fired Fired. uh, after that. And then the two that are rolled up into one are there was a gay social worker fired for coming out as gay. uh, And then a a gay skydiving instructor uh, who, like, is the person who you lash to whenever you jump out of the the plane who made a joke about being gay and then um, uh, got fired because of that. This one also really shows you how precarious
1: it is to be out and gay in a lot of different parts of the country. So this guy is a skydiving instructor. Like you said, he's the person that the other person who pays to jump out of a plane lashes herself in this case too. So this woman is lashed to this man who is keeping her alive as she falls from the sky. Literally the parachute. Yeah. And they're making small talk as you do when you're falling thousands of feet, I guess. She must have said something about how close they were in that moment. And he says, don't worry, I'm gay. So, you know, not, 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 I mean, what a nice thing to say, right? <laughs> Sweet, yeah. thoughtful thing. Right. And I guess she goes around and complains and he loses his job. And as these other cases exemplify, all over the country, people still can lose their jobs for announcing that they're gay or announcing that they got married last weekend to someone of the same sex or coming out as transgender or even just beginning the process of transitioning. Yeah. So this is a big problem that the Supreme Court maybe should weigh in on, except now that Trump has appointed two new justices to the Supreme Court, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, there is a lot of concern that the Supreme Court will say, oh, yeah, the 1964 Civil Rights Act allows you to discriminate. That's what it was intended.
2: To <laughs> yeah, the arguments that I guess in the, in the case about the skydivers and the, so in, in, the gay case, the, the, the argument is, well, sex doesn't mean, uh, you know, sex isn't an issue here because it's about who they're having sex with. Uh, and so gays are not uh, included in this protection. And
1: this one gets really interesting, actually, because you can can sort of start to open your mind to it. They say, well, in 1964, the culture was different. The people who wrote the 1964 Civil Rights Act could not have been talking about gay rights. Gay rights really didn't exist as a thing that was being talked about much at the time. And the word sex is different than the word sexuality, and the word in the law is sex. So even if this is a good aim, you need Congress to come in and add sexuality to the law. This is something for Congress to do um, and not start to read in additional meanings to one word, sex, that has a plain meaning. But I really like the argument back from the people who have brought this to the Supreme Court, because you wouldn't think of it, or I didn't think of it initially, it's kind of creative, and it's also pretty compelling. Their point is, take the skydiver, right? Uh, if the skydiver had said, and maybe he did say, don't worry, I'm gay, my husband you know, is down at the bottom, I'll introduce you when we land, then uh, the argument goes, if this guy is then fired, he is fired because he's a man married to a man, whereas if a woman had said that, she would not be fired for being married to a man. Yes. So that's the sex difference. That's the sex discrimination. Both have a right to be married to a man, but the man is punished and the woman is not. And so that's, that's where they're going with that one.
2: And then with Amy Stevens' case, Gorsuch is the sort of main combatant there, and his argument and arguments coming from the other conservative justices are basically slippery slope like if we allow if we prevent employers from firing people for coming out as transgender um then are we going to sue uh facilities that don't have gender neutral bathrooms uh are you know it's it's a number of these sort of like uh north carolina uh bathroom bill scare tactics that they're throwing across the the plate which are um Ridiculous. And it seemed clear from the oral arguments
1: that there are four justices, and that's all four liberal justices, who are ready to support the 1964 Civil Rights Act protecting gay and lesbian and transgender Americans from workplace discrimination. So you just need one. And Gorsuch seems like maybe he could swing and maybe not. You don't know. But he was saying these things about bathrooms, and Brett Kavanaugh the reporting says just stayed super quiet
3: fuck that guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> but rich in terms of lawsuits over bathrooms you are actually ready to sue for more gender neutral bathrooms
2: i absolutely i mean i i hope what uh gorsuch is afraid of comes to pass because one uh debt we owe to the transgender community is this proliferation um in response to you know their needs uh a bunch of really luxurious public bathrooms i know in seattle there's been a lot of renovated uh buildings and instead of having these like creepy little places where you go into and pee into a trough you have this like whole section of the building dedicated to like a bathroom corridor four tiled walls complete privacy a sort of shared like um a hand washing area where we all get to kind of commiserate with whatever happened in there and then we could just go back to our you know our lives to the rest of the building it's such a it's a way more civilized uh way and i and i and i hope that um uh, people do sue <laughs> <laughs> and places that don't have these beautiful restrooms.
1: All right. People also – I don't know if they're threatening lawsuits, but they are mad at Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. So – Ellen, because she lives a fancy life, got invited to a fancy skybox at a football
3: game. Yeah. So um, I guess she is close personal friends with the daughter of the dude that owns the, Tal- the Dallas Cowboys. And so she was invited last weekend to attend a game. And, you know, that's fine. Rich people, rich peopling. But then she was sitting next to George W. Bush, the former president. Um, and some photos got out of them yucking it up and, you know, and a video that she took and a video that she took. And so a lot of folks on social media were predictably upset about it, um, because he's George Bush.
1: And as you pointed out when we were talking about this earlier, and this connects back to the Supreme Court case in its way, George Bush ran for reelection supporting a constitutional ban on same sex marriage. Right. Which Ellen Ellen is all about same sex marriage, right? She, <laughs> I mean, I, I love her for it, but she has not stopped talking about right, it,
3: right? That's been her thing. Um, and he's a war criminal, <laughs> you know, and and you know, I think that in this age of Trump, because what's interesting to me about this situation is more like how it, is Trump and all of these kind of former presidents? How will they age, and how will they? How will we kind of reckon with their history and the things that they did under their presidency? Um, because Ellen on. To, yesterday, she came out on her show and um, she kind of explained the situation. She gave greater context for it. it. She was basically saying that everyone should be nice to each other regardless of our beliefs. Right. But it's like, it's not a set of beliefs like he actually did some horrible things, right? And he was in power and he actively opposed, you know, giving human rights t- to gay people you know, of one small group, right? So
1: her argument is. I have lots of different friends. I don't agree with every single thing every one of my friends says or does. But the problem in this country, I mean, she really takes it to this level, is that we're too divided. We're too stuck in our own worlds. And we need to be able to sit at a football game with George W. Bush if that's what's going on and he's chill and we're having a fun time watching the game. Isn't that okay? And cue the cheers from her audience for this because it really touched a chord with them and I don't know, with some certain amount of people who are saying, Oh yeah, good point, Ellen. Fine.
3: I mean all all of those people saying that are mostly other rich celebrities. <laughs> you know? And I think there was a a, a point to be made that um across you know political differences i think wealth and class unites people more than anything right and so you have all these w- rich people coming out and defending ellen for for you know this her coming out about being friends with george w bush um i think that really shows that that's what's more interesting to you know the elites <laughs> um, and so that just makes me think like you know we we talk about trump in this way that we hate him right um and that he's awful and disgusting but then someone like sean spicer's on fucking dancing with the stars now right and i remember a time you know two years ago two and a half years ago where you know he was kind of the mouthpiece of evil for this administration so I, i'm i think it's curious in the sense of like what's trump uh once he's out of office what is his reception into like the general public going to be? How is his memory going? All the things that he did, like how, is, how are we going to reckon with it?
1: Well, here here's the question then because Blabbermouth is a launching pad for greatness, as you know. <laughs> so in six years when you have your own daytime talk show oh, and you get invited to a fancy skybox at a football game and you look over to your right and Donald Trump is sitting next to you. What do you do?
3: My drink on his head and I will be escorted out of there <laughs> with like fucking security guards. Um, that's I think that's only the, the real response.
2: To, to that um wait is this football game happening in prison <laughs> is, uh, uh, hey. I, where, am I right come on that's that's because that's where George W. Bush should be for leading <laughs> us into two wars right. and torturing people at black sites am I right I mean I th- it is a very people clap because it is a very popular idea to say that like we should there's just some political differences you're not supposed to talk about politics at the dinner table can't we all just get along come on on. you're watching a dallas cowboy doesn't everyone love the dallas cowboys <laughs> but you know increasingly uh as people are paying more attention to politics they're recognizing that the per the political is personal and that if you are faced with pa- what you do when faced uh, with power in proximity to power um can matter and uh and and george w Bush. Sh- sh- Perhaps should be made to feel uncomfortable in public uh, I, I <laughs> because of what he because should. of what he, he's done, and maybe that's better um, because otherwise uh, you make big mistakes like leading the country to two uh, wars we didn't n- need to be in, and promoting torture. And the consequence to that is uh, box seats at the Cowboys for the you rest get, of your life. Yeah, getting cozy next with Ellen. Ellen, you know, and, and so, she comes
3: on defending your ass, defending her friendship with you.
2: Yeah, you know? so that, that, that just is uh, is. is Cognitive dissonance for a, a lot of people who are, uh, you know, who's who's, who's who have a, a big boot on their neck. But know?
3: I was also thinking, like, how how could we apply this to Obama, right? Because yeah. I, mean, I came on here a couple weeks ago talking about this damn documentary that he produced or whatever, right? Um, but I, I do think that there's something about the celebrity of of presidency as well, and Americans love that (laughs) i mean i have a lot of thinking to do about my own personal relationship with barack obama Mm -hmm. but i i do think in general we would do well to stop this mythologizing and this celebrification of people that lead us and who actually have tangible when we talk about power i think president is kind of at the top of literally and everything
2: above the law at at, the the moment
3: (laughs) at the moment (laughs) so I, i think that especially you know within this context of trump that we should be reevaluating our relationships to how we treat presidents.
1: All right. So just to bring it back to the Ellen example, if you're sitting in the box seats next to Obama,
3: I, I'm. I mean, <laughs> I would probably be a little starstruck, but I mean, I'd probably, I probably. I don't. I. I would ask him about his, you know, policy on drones, right? Of turning it into a debate, but a,
2: a fist bump, and then so about the. Deportation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are
3: like, look, look, you're cool, so we can talk about this. But you, you got some things that you know you need to answer.
2: And what do you think about becoming the face of reparations? I mean, do, can we, can we, like, can we do that? Can we get this movement going? That's right. Because as we've talked about, he's very reluctant on that one yeah. More than reluctant, he's opposed. Right. And you know, for for, I, I get the argument. Um, it, it, it might be divisive. Uh, but all right.
1: Know well for the record i am not leaving if someone puts me in a box seat next to obama i will stay there through the game and we'll talk about what we talk about but uh yeah if someone wants to put me in a box seat next to obama i uh, accept
3: okay good
1: <laughs> next we're gonna talk about someone who i will sit next to forever no matter what if anyone ever asked me which no one is ever going to that is rupaul Chase, hello. Hello, I'm back. Thank you for coming back because the people need to know about something you opened my eyes to just yesterday, which is that while I was looking at other things and waiting for the next season of American (laughs) Drag Race, RuPaul became like president
0: of the world. Yes, RuPaul. uh, In America, we've been focusing on, I think, season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is coming out. Uh, RuPaul's winning a bunch of Emmys. I feel like the past year in America, RuPaul has really cracked the mainstream in a way where in the gay culture, obviously, we've known about RuPaul and RuPaul's been a mainstream figure, but the success of RuPaul's Drag Race in America has sort of reached a fever pitch and it's influencing a lot of different industries uh, and entertainment corners in America, but... RuPaul is like already past that the RuPaul's Drag Race franchise is going global uh, it, it they created Drag Race Thailand a couple years ago so there's been a there's been a foreign franchise for a little bit I think that's in its third season. But what just premiered last week is RuPaul's Drag Race UK. So that's happening and that's been very successful. There's also Drag Race Canada. Uh, There's a Drag Race Australia coming out. There's a spinoff in Chile, Chile, Chile coming out. There's uh, spinoffs happening all over the globe. And on top of that, RuPaul's also on this reality show produced by uh, Mark Burnett, who produced The Apprentice. Yes. so He's <laughs> sitting know. on all
1: those tapes. Yeah, is sitting on some tapes that he needs to release. Or maybe RuPaul needs to reach into Mark Barnett's Purse and pull them out. But the but. thing I b-
0: bring up about uh, the world's best is the world's best is a very strange show. If you haven't watched it, it has Drew Barrymore. It has who's that like fancy pr- entertainment guy, oh, James Corden. James Corden. It, ha- <laughs> it has I don't like James that Corden, Drew Barrymore, and RuPaul. And it's basically like an X Factor or a talent show, but it's it's where. People from all over the world send their delegates in a very Eurovision style, but produced in America. And they have a whole UN panel basically behind them of of people, representatives from every different country. Yeah, this is where
1: RuPaul as president of the world
0: is not far fetched. No, it's real. the (laughs) set of this
1: thing does look like one of those futuristic United Nations
0: Ru's in the center. Yep. With like a red suit and like the bald head looking like an alien, just like, yes, you can move on to the global (laughs) whatever. And every country
1: sends her their best and she will be the judge.
0: Yeah, so Ru is really really taking over the world in this show. Mark Burnett's known for sticking with the show and making it successful. The Apprentice uh, got nominated for Emmys its first season, but didn't win and sort of was going down. And then Mark Burnett had a had a way to make NBC really pick it up. And it was on for years and was really successful. People think that Mark Burnett will probably do that with this show and that this will have global spinoffs too. So the, the point is that RuPaul is really making a global impact and sort of becoming one of America's biggest cultural byproducts
1: and we were talking in the last segment about a potential rollback of gay rights in america but one i was going to say side effect but i don't even think it's a side effect one major immediate effect of the popularity of drag race here and around the world is in its way a major advancement of gay rights
0: yeah i mean it's 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 complicated because it's going to be it's there's a lot of stuff obviously that's tied into drag race politically and we've talked about that before and you can spend a long time talking about the little details of drag race and what that means when it goes to a new country the thing though is when you we what we see with rupaul's drag race uk is even though rupaul's going over or what you see with drag race thailand it really is representative of the drag that's in its own country um so it sort of brings the the setup of drag race but uk and thailand are are pretty different performers and uh, they have different
3: emphasis on like on what they do.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about
1: the UK edition because you can watch that from the U S you can, you can get it here in the U S and both of you have been watching it.
3: Yeah. So I, you can watch it on logo TV, the gay channel. Um, and, Uh, That's what
0: Drag Race used to be on.
1: Right.
3: (laughs) Right. So it's kind of starting there. And it's also you can just find streams online if you just Google.
0: And a lot of bars are hosting because there's already infrastructure in America to watch bar hosted drag shows. uh, There's a lot of bars that are hosting screenings of UK
3: all over the country. And so
1: is it different? More interesting? Yeah. So
3: one major difference is that there's no cash prize. <laughs> um <laughs> which is is kind of shocking because we're all used to you know Anastasia Beverly Hills and a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars right um,
0: and why is there no cash prize because
3: it's on the BBC
0: like do you watch the Great British Bake off? Yes, and what do they get at the end of Great British Bake off? this like not <laughs> no, they get like a very cute little
1: um Glass cake
3: platter tray, I Oh yeah think. cake tray,
0: yeah. Yeah, so and BBC's um, publicly funded, right? So, that's so they why. can't
3: give a hundred thousand dollars away, um, which I love. <laughs> or pounds, like sorry. In, in
0: a way, it
1: kind of not redeems completely, but it just makes reality competition TV a little more, uh, a little less avaricious, I guess. I don't know how else to say. it.
3: Yeah, and well, there is a there is a promise that they will get their own web series. Yes, in, in, in LA. LA. Yeah,
1: but but and they great do fame get, and fortune. They do get. <laughs>
0: A little something, right? They On get UK. a pin, <laughs> it's like a metal pin, and I don't fully understand it. I think it's very UK. It's something about a Peter or something. Yeah, I don't it's know. something from
3: like a children's show. Yeah,
0: that they get a translate. little. It's a fan like a it's red a, the red UK kind of cross <laughs> the thing. Union Jack. I don't. It's literally a pin. Like people are gonna make <laughs> knockoffs of it. It's a metal pin, and that's what you win.
1: Okay, and then also you were saying there's kind of an implicit promise that Rue will bring you to the U S. market,
0: and you make a ton of cash there.
3: Right, Yes. Which is because, you know, I, I mean, it's a promise, right? I, I think RuPaul is good on, on those. So.
0: Well, I think that's what's most interesting to me because the U.S. queens have always gone to the U.K. Since the show started, people watched it in the U.K. Michelle Visage, the co-host, is extremely popular in the U.K. She was on Big Brother U.K. Is she, was she really? Yeah, there are, the people in the U.S. are... I mean, the U.K. are actually obsessed with Michelle Visage like, more than RuPaul in many ways, which I don't fully understand. It's something about her being sort of Jersey and having big tits I don't know there's something about her in the, the UK hair. That they the hair they like they love her but so US queens have been going to the UK for a while but what's going to start happening is uh, I think we're going to start seeing the UK queens touring in the US that's mm-hmm. that's the promise of the show and you have all of these Americans who are watching this show and watching these performers and they'll start booking them at their clubs and so we're going to start to see a sort of global exchange Uh, not just on TV, but also with performers in bars and clubs. And I think that the impact of that, we can't really measure, but I think it'll be substantial. You were talking about it being kind of a new British invasion. Yeah, it's like Spice World and Spice Girls, except with these dumb drag queens from (laughs) London.
1: So, it's not too soon to start to know a the difference between like British drag culture and American drag culture and b like some of the Britishisms that come up on UK drag races.
3: Yeah, so I'm here to translate some key terms. <laughs> one, knickers is underwear. I think yeah. that one I think that's pretty easy for everyone. Mm-hmm. Tuppence yeah, tuppence that? is that money? Um, no, tuppence is a polite way of saying vagina. Ah,
0: <laughs> uh-huh, tuppence?
3: <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, chav, um, which is kind of someone who's like working class and wears track suits. Um, <laughs> oh, cool. Gobshite, which I, I feel like is pretty understandable, but it means someone who is really loud, swears a lot, and has got a bit of a motor mouth. Oh. Um. so those are some key terms to kind of that have been brought up in the in the show already
0: it's hard um, to understand you need subtitles and <laughs> it's, i think that's the kind of funny thing is i was in this bar with all of these sort of drunk gays and we had to wait for like a football game to end before the bar would play it and that was a weird sort of thing where like all these gays were waiting for drag to start and we had to watch the seahawks but once it started everyone in the audience was like I have no idea what anyone's saying, but we're all speaking English. And I thought that was sort of, I was nice. There's definitely a
3: a big mixture of accents um, and like class (laughs) backgrounds. And so that affects, you know, the accent and,
1: there's also, Chase, you were telling me, a little bit of a different uh, history or cultural relationship to drag in the UK.
0: Yeah, so in the UK, they're a lot more familiar with drag historically because there's something called the panto, which is, it's not quite, it, it extends to like a pantomime, but when you say that in, Ameri- in America, people think it's like miming. It's more close to vaudeville. So uh, in the UK, pantos are really popular during Christmas time. They're like this huge vaudevillian, vaudevillian show that feature drag performers or people swatching, swapping genders and performing on stage. And it's a giant production. And so drag uh, over there is often really associated with massive production values. You were saying a lot of neighborhoods in the UK around
1: Christmas will... Will do a panto. Just a big, like, block party kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's still in a theater, but like in London, there'll be Pantos in all throughout the city, different, like, there's a small scale Panto. It's just like a, it's a thing that we don't. I mean, in the UK, they love Christmas. Mm -hmm. We love Christmas here, but they really love it in the UK. They start, since there's no Halloween and there's no, I mean, there's sort of Halloween and there's no Thanksgiving. They just like start right in October. Um, So Pantos are a huge deal and Draggers really associated with that. So the the Queens, they're not so uh, focused on fashion, whereas in America, uh, drag cultures tends to be very, very visual and tends to be like you bring a two minute lip sync or three minute lip sync, but it's really about putting together your look and sort of being. Mm. It. RuPaul's Paul's really emphasis that idea. These queens are definitely
3: not concerned with that. No, they,
0: it's a <laughs> little <laughs> and, and more and low budget. Yeah. <laughs> but no, and they even sort of they bring, they bring it up. I mean, it's sort of, and it, I think it makes it the thing that drag is really criticized for right now is that it costs like fifteen hundred dollars yeah. for some of these queens just to like step out of their house. Uh-huh. These queens, I think, some of Put together their looks with like maybe a hundred dollars, um, even when they're on TV, and that is that's refreshing,
3: yeah. It is kind of fun and and good to watch. And um, so,
1: the currency is less the look
0: and more what
1: I think, like
3: how they perform,
0: yeah. Yeah, and the and if they're funny, um, I think funnier queens are going to get a little farther than in America, it really is like if you look stunning or you look uh, sort of sickening, that's what's going to win, and that's what we see win all the time.
3: Also, just a small note. This drag cast is making history as the first to include a straight man.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, he's either straight or bi. It's sort of weird, but <laughs> he, sa- he says that he's straight. He's 18. Interesting. Yeah, he has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. All the right. The dress is very Lolita like. It's a little. And he
3: started like he had never performed um, before the show. Yeah,
0: he's like six months before. So it's a little, you know, controversy interesting
3: yeah so ways to spice it up still would
0: ellen sit next to him (laughs) 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 all right so
1: this is uk drag race you can find it on logo also the american season 12 it's coming out soon there's
0: also an all-star season coming out i mean drag race happens all year long now yeah all right well if you're uh if
1: you've somehow had enough of American Drag Race, UK Drag Race is coming. Chase, <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Jasmine, thank you. Thank you. And that's the show. If you've got something you want to say to Rich Smith, Jasmine Kamek, Chase Burns, or me, call the blabberphone, 206-302-2063, or dive on into our Blabbermouth Podcast Facebook group. Thanks as always to Ahamefele J. Alua for making the music we use on the show each week and to Nancy Hartunian for bringing our blabbering mouths to your ears.